Hi there, and welcome to Drones On Air. I'm your host, Ryan Kant, CEO and founder of EnviroDrone. Our podcast today is called Counting Seabirds with Drones. We have a special guest joining us today, Jared Hogson, a PhD student and ecologist studying at the University of Adelaide in Australia. Jared has extensive experience in the application of drones and remote sensing softwares. We will learn about his recent study that proves drones are more reliable than humans at counting wildlife. Join us for an exhilarating flight on air through drone exploration, discovery, and innovation. All right, Jared, um, thanks so much for joining us on Drones and Air today. Uh, so tell our, tell our listeners kind of a little bit about yourself and your background uh, and where you're from. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, um, I'm Jared Hodgson. I'm from um, the University of Adelaide at the moment, and I'm an ecologist, and I'm currently completing my PhD. Uh, what, what's the professor that you're, you're doing your PhD under? Yeah, so as an ecologist, um, I've been interested in wildlife monitoring for some time, and my PhD is looking at um, the approaches we use for wildlife monitoring, and specifically trying to um, understand the benefits of using drones for wildlife population monitoring. And so I work with uh, Leon Pin Co, who's also at the University of Adelaide um, and, and was one of the co-founders of Conservation Drones, and also Alex Terawitz from the Australian Antarctic Division. That's fantastic. Yeah, those uh, in the drone community that know Leon Pinko, he's uh, quite famous in the conservation drones uh, area. He pretty much is one of the founders, along with Dr. Serge Witch. So that's fantastic that you actually have him as a as, as your one of your professors because he's uh, very knowledgeable, obviously, in this area. So the work that you are are, are currently doing um, and the study that you just came out with, it's about. Um, seabird population count. So tell us, I guess, a little bit about the research that you've just, uh, you've just undergone and kind of what that involved. Yeah, for sure, Ryan. Um, so we've been using drones for some time to count wildlife in the field, uh, particularly seabirds, um, which are highly suitable to this type of monitoring because they aggregate or form colonies, often to breed, um, that are that we can see from above, so they're not obstructed. And we've looked at, in the field, the traditional approach of monitoring, which is to basically go with your binoculars or telescope and a clicker and count the number of birds that you can see. And we compared that to flying a drone overhead and using the imagery to count the individual birds. And we found that counting birds from above was more precise, but there was no way to really robustly test for accuracy and the reason was because there was no known true number of birds there so we didn't know if there was a hundred birds or 200 birds and so we couldn't test for that accuracy so what we decided to do was to launch the epic duck challenge where we created replica colonies of uh, a medium-sized seabird the crested tern and we used um, decoys or, or plastic ducks to create these colonies so that we knew the number of individuals in each colony. And we made 10 colonies and they varied in size from about 500 to 1,000 individuals. And then we set about um, counting them using both of those approaches. So we had experienced um, seabird ground counters count them from a close distance and then we flew a drone at the same time over that colony and took images at different heights 
And we then um, got a different set of volunteers that we, um, namely our, our citizen scientists, to go through that imagery and count every bird um, that they could see. And we compared those two approaches. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so what was the level of accuracy uh, comparing the two methods? Well, was there a much larger percentage of accuracy where you could actually determine how many birds were in the, in the images with the drone in comparison to just being able to see them on the ground? Absolutely. So we tested for a range of heights, which were four heights from, from 30 meters to 120 meters which actually, as your audience uh, will probably be familiar, is more about the ground sample distance rather than the actual height that they were obtained at. So at the uh, closest um, image to the ground, there was um, about just under one centimetre per pixel. So it was about 250 pixels per bird, right up to the highest, um, where it was just over three centimetres uh, per pixel. And what we found is across that range of ground sample distances, there was a, a tremendous increase in accuracy. They were actually 43 to 96% more accurate than the ground counts. Okay. And they were also more precise. So there was less variability um, among the independent counters counting the drone imagery compared to our independent ground counts. So you were able to count the birds from the images. Now, did you use any type of machine learning engine to be able to provide you some statistical level of accuracy based on uh, image shape similarities or anything like that? Yes, we did, Ryan. So obviously it's time consuming for volunteers or, or, or anyone to go through and count the number of birds in an image. So we were interested in seeing if we could develop a semi-automated approach to detect and, and count the number of birds in a given image. So the, the next component of that we wondered was how much investment do you have to give uh, that algorithm to have accurate results? And it can, can it be as accurate as humans counting the number of birds in the image? So we created an algorithm to count the number of ducks in each image. And we tested how much training data that algorithm needed from 1% to 30% of the number of individuals in, in a given scene. And what we found was that with 10% training data, the algorithm was able to come up with a detector that then we let loose on, on the whole scene. And the results were actually um, not significantly different to a human going through and counting the number of um, individuals. And so what that shows us is that uh, we can have um, a big reduction in the amount of user time needed and obviously as the algorithm is developed and applied to more and more scenes and learning as it goes, perhaps that amount of training data actually goes down um, for each new image you have to um, you submit to the, to the algorithm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, it's interesting uh, what doing population counts for seabirds because unlike say a moose or a caribou, it's it's either laying down or it's walking, and so those perspectives are quite easy to capture. Now, with your algorithm, with your with your research and with the study, you had mentioned that these were um, decoys that were set up in, into kind of colonies. Now, do you believe that it would require a higher number of images in the MLE to be able to capture the different positions of birds when they say stretch their wings or when they're landing 
or like in the various positions that birds are in, do you think that that may have some impact on the MLE as well? Yeah, of course. Obviously, um, there's a lot of variability among the different animals you might be interested in and how they contrast with their background and how much they're moving. In the case of breeding birds, um, we would normally be trying to um, monitor them when they are actually breeding, so perhaps they're um, synchronous and they've all laid their eggs together. And so that imagery, um, if we obtained at that time, the birds we would expect to be sitting quite tightly on their nests and all be um, look quite similar from above. But the amount of training data you need from species to species of birds and then if you apply it to other animals is obviously going to change. Um, but we have released the algorithm we created um, as open source and it's not uh, fixed for birds. So it, it's independent whereby a researcher can use our code, um, develop it for their own context if they, if they like, but also take it and just test it um, to see how it goes with their study organism by giving it some training data and also give it some delineate some areas of background, so areas where there's no target individuals, and the algorithm will take that information and automatically create a uh, detector by looking for the common elements between the delineations of your target animal, and then it will come up with a detector that um, it says these are the common elements of your target um, caribou or, or seabird. And then you can apply that to your image to, to get the result. And I think as people use this technology, there's obviously lots of um, different approaches and um, algorithms are evolving all the time. I think for species that are suited to this type of monitoring, um, we can have some, some quite powerful algorithms that will return quite accurate results and reduce the amount of time um, and, and investment needed to do manual detections in imagery. Yeah, I agree. It's actually fascinating. The, the project and the study that you undertaken with, with seabird estimates is a, a kind of a, a very interesting um, opportunity for conservationists to be able to deploy uh, a drone and be able to, say, fly over um, a remote island just off the shoreline and be able to get accurate um, seabird counts because traditionally you would have to take a vessel out to that island and then someone would have to go out and count. So that would also save a tremendous amount of money to be able to undergo that work and provide much more accurate assessments of the seabird populations. And this can be transferred over to many other different wildlife uh, and conservation activities where drones can be used to, to deploy the algorithm that you guys have developed, um, which, is, which is fantastic. So congratulations on developing that because that is a huge step forward in the con conservation area um, and especially for, for drone, uh, commercial drone users and conservationists as well that would be using drones. So um, very well done. Now, where, where does, I guess, this, this go from here? Are you, are you doing other work where you're also uh, improving the algorithm or um, are you, you using the algorithm in another way uh, for other research that you're currently doing? Yeah, thanks for that, Ron. Um, yes, we are um, actively completing um, monitoring work uh, with real species. Um, and so um, we're trying to look at a few different ecological questions there. So things like um, the spatial relationships between um, breeding individuals and maybe trying to identify drivers for their breeding and also the success. And so we feel that, as you said, um, the drone monitoring is 
um, very applicable um, to seabirds and also some other animals. And so it's very exciting times. Um, another part of our research that we're working on, um, myself and, and my colleagues, is to try and understand wildlife response to drones so that we can make sure that we're not disturbing them because obviously we want to observe them in a natural state. From this drone imagery, we're not just being able to count species, we're actually being able to identify spatial variable um, behavioral patterns as well. And so being able to see, you know, distance between colonies, but also we can further investigate, you know, the, um, the habitat requirements of these species and, and their feeding um, requirements as well. So that all that information is providing research more in-depth information that's valuable to help conserving and protecting that particular species. Have you started undergoing some of these real-world trials in, in some of these um, seabird colony environments? Yes, we have. Um, so at the moment, um, there's very little published data on how wildlife respond to the presence of drones. Um, some of the data shows that uh, things like bears can have um, a, a real physiological response, so an increase in heart rate. And there's then a few other studies that have looked mainly at behavioural response, so whether uh, an anim animal moves away or, or appears to respond to the drone being near it. Um, so we're trying to look more at the physiological response as well as the behavioural response because um, an animal, take a bird for example, because it's invested in its nest, it might choose to stay and incubate its egg when there's a drone nearby and so behaviorally you might not detect a change however there could be a real physiological change so an increase in heart rate for example indicating that the bird is still quite stressed and so we're actively looking at that at the moment and trying to understand how different animals respond how even the same species responds in different environments maybe it depends on the number of aerial predators it's been exposed to so that we can ensure that we're not causing any disturbance and then we can combine that with our results from this epic duck challenge about accuracy um, to ensure that we capture imagery with a suitable level of ground sample distance. So if we know that we need one centimetre per pixel, but we need to fly above, for example, 60 metres for a given species, we can ensure that our sensor can capture the imagery um, at that quality um, flying at that height. Yeah, yeah, I think disturbance um, at, at heights is important. Now, I'm, I'm curious to learn, do you guys normally fly rotary wing vehicles or do you guys fly a fixed wing aircraft? Uh, yeah, so I guess in terms of um, flying behavioral and physiological response, we're interested in looking at both quadcopters and fixed wings and all the different models within those. And um, we think that the responses of wildlife is going may change based on those characteristics, but we also think it's quite complex. So even the same species might behave uh, different uh, in different environments. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, because I think that they would assume that a rotary wing would would potentially cause more disturbance just because they're louder, um, whereas the fixed wing it, it gracefully can glide at say sixty meters and 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 maybe have a little disturbance. But there's also potentially, and what we don't really know yet because there's not much research published, 
that the, the, the fixed wing may look like uh, a, a larger predator to them, which may cause a, a higher heart rate of some sort. So, yeah, I think that there is an exciting opportunity for, for us to understand the different disturbance patterns that are occurring to different, different species. Because one might say, well, larger species, there's not much of an impact. But there was that, like you said, a research paper done on bears where they saw a significantly increased heart rate due to the the impact of a drone overhead. So I think that seabirds is an interesting, um, a very interesting kind of research topic because there's so many of them that can colonize in, in a very small area. Um, they do require a very high resolution imagery platform so that they can get a good, like you said, for your algorithm to be able to get a good uh, centimeter per pixel um, you know, basis for the algorithm to properly uh, delineate the, 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 the various uh, birds in the area. So, it, it is an exciting time moving forward for um, drone monitoring and we, there's lots of researchers working on trying to understand um, the response of wildlife, and so I think in the in the future we will have um, very robust best practice guidelines so that we can complete um, drone monitoring without causing disturbance or mitigating any disturbance that might be there through um, approaches we identify. So I think it's very exciting times for us to to collect high quality and, and highly accurate data um, in a very um, environmentally conscious and um, friendly way. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I agree with you. I think this is a very exciting time. And I think that you are on the forefront of this monitoring uh, and, and wildlife uh, conservation scene and you're working with the right guys uh, that are at conservation drones. So I do, uh, I, I do think that this is going to be a very uh, interesting application, and I and I and I look forward to seeing um, how this how this continues to grow. So, congratulations on all the work you've you've currently done, and I do uh, I do thank you for being on the show. I think uh, this was very insightful for our listeners to learn about the work you're doing, and and we can uh, continue to follow you on this journey. Thanks very much, Ryan. Uh, great to to join you today. All right, that wraps up our third episode of Drones on Air. I hope this podcast provides you with insight on how drones are being used to conserve and protect wildlife. Jared and his fellow researchers have developed an algorithm to count birds from the air, which can be applied to many other types of wildlife. If you have any questions about this podcast, please email me at ryan at envdrone.com. Join us on March 21st for a special interview with Lauren Fletcher, the founder and CEO of Oxford-based startup Biocarbon Engineering. Lauren has extensive experience in the application of drones for forestry. We will learn about his proprietary tree planting drone technology, which is incredibly efficient and is changing the way we restore and rehabilitate forests. Make sure to follow us on social media at EnviroDrone and visit our website at envdrone.com.